I, I don't trust them entirely. Mm -mm. Is uh. the answer. Wow, I've never been the one who opened these things. It's impossible. Brain's better at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. you go. Brain's I'm just dealing with that in his absence. <laughs> Brain, I miss your cleanly opened donut boxes. <laughs> Comics Place Podcast, episode 55, Bellingham's 55. premier comic book podcast. I've been throwing that in. Oh, I like it. I know. It's, I like it. I don't know I don't know when or where one uh, gets certified the premier podcast, but I feel like it's in your mind, and yeah, I feel yeah. like we did you that. It's certified right here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Pod podcast certification group. Yeah, there's a class for that. Yeah, that's I have the PGC. Where every PC. Tuesday we go pick up a bunch of books, we uh, bring them back to our shop, and we sort them and count them and file them all away. We pick the ones that we really like. Braden always likes the one with the butts on the cover. Um, <laughs> we take the ones we're excited about home or to our safe place, and we read them, and then we scurry back here like a bunch of delightful little elves returning to Santa's workshop uh, to discuss the books in this the, the hallowed halls of the Comics Place Annex, where you can only actually get to if you uh, say the secret words into the back door loud enough and then knock a number of times uh i'm jeff no ins and outs of our lives that was why i just stuttered my name i was <laughs> like oh, okay. uh, where we uh we have a bunch of conversation and we engage in a variety of tangents uh either related to or unrelated to the books the store or the comings and goings of our lives almost nailed it it's your boy jeff figley on the horn i'm uh django i'm Old like dust. Yeah, it smells like it too. <laughs> I'm Roman. I'm 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 young like a spring rain. <laughs> and I'm Jay, and I have no idea why I'm here today. <laughs> Yay! You're here because we love you, yes. Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming in. Um, <laughs> you may have heard Jay talk on the podcast before um, <laughs> through Justin. <laughs> <laughs> He's our most uh, active uh, phone caller in phone yep. call. Yep. Um, Sorry for those calls, by the way. Oh, we love them. That's why we play them. <laughs> We've got a couple phone calls today, even. All of which are from you, which I thought was a little overkill, given that you were already here. <laughs> um, Jay, you want to tell the people a little bit about why you're actually here, or how you got here? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I uh, became interested in comics uh, really kind of through... Uh, the inspiration of my daughter, Echo, who is kind of a budding artist. And uh, I decided that I thought uh, coming into the store and looking at comic books would be a way for her to inspire her and look at that avenue of storytelling through pictures. And we came in and I was looking around, and I'll have to say I was overwhelmed because I just had no <laughs> idea where to start. And so, and I'm not even sure it was the first time that we even got anything, but perhaps the second time we came in, Jeff kind of just gave me a gentle <coughs> nudge with a free, free complimentary uh, copy of Lumberjanes. First one's free, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we took it home and I was just blown away. 
and so we decided we we're just going to come in and look for some more and uh i've been coming in almost every single wednesday since then to get books and i feel like i'm still trying to figure out what it is that i actually really like uh versus what you know, I find exciting for a while and then kind of peters out. So it's, it's you know, I would say between the books and the people that work here who I love dearly, uh, that's why I keep coming back. And that was like three years ago that you came in, right? I think it was – I don't think it was quite – I think it will be three next spring. Okay. I think it was close. It was not long before the free comic book day. Okay. Nice. So somewhere just before that. Mm-hmm. So for everybody who is ever intimidated by like, I can't read comic books because I have to know way too much. Jay's living proof that you don't have to know anything to get into it and love it. No, I mean, what I was intimidated about it was is just sort of like, you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this book, and maybe I buy the second one. And the third, then then feel compelled that you just have to keep going, <laughs> even though you don't really like it. And I've gotten over that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I want to buy the first. It gives me now. I have a pretty good idea whether or not I'm going to like it or not. Yeah, and and I can stop. You know, I'm inspired by the idea of a new bit where you can call Jay on the street. <laughs> you sort of our our man on the street, like our man downtown. You know, he's like. Jay Christensen's boot hoofing about something like that, like Jay's boot hoof. And and now I also don't feel like I've got to read every great story. Yeah, I find the stories that I like, and then I just sort of kind of well, maybe I'll read the trades later. Maybe I won't read them at all. That's okay. But this week you read everything twice. I read everything twice anyway. Nice. Yeah, I I read an issue. When the second one comes in, I go read the one before it again mm-hmm. before I read the new one. Jenny so I'm always reading everything twice. I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get my money's worth. I know. I usually if I read something twice, it's because it's a long run, and I I wait on the last few issues and I catch up reading everything that came before, and then the last few that I haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. So I usually only read the last issue once. Well, I have to read them twice because I realize I missed most of the stuff the first time. Yeah. That's and... why we love comic books. Because <laughs> it's not a two-and-a-half-hour commitment, so you can actually go back a second time. Um, uh, so, listen. If you were worried about being spoiled about who Jay was, I didn't get this warning out soon enough. We missed that. You know about Jay now. But <laughs> it's not too late to turn back about uh, your book spoilers. So, this is your spoiler content warning. We're going to be talking about these books. So, if you don't like having spoilers... Uh, you know, pause it, go read some books, come back. Maybe they'll be the ones we read. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones are we going to read, Jeff? I thought we waited to do that. Oh, wait, no, that's the credits. Um, we're going to talk about Grass Kings, number nine. Also, Batman Lost, number one. And Mr. Miracle, number four. Uh, Moon Knight, 188. We're going to take this thing home with a nice unbeatable squirrel girl, 26. Maybe a little buckshot of business in the middle. Buckshot. <laughs> business in the middle buckshot. Grass Kings. That's a weird mullet you just Thanks. described. Yeah. <laughs> business um, in the buckshot. Grass Kings number nine. Jay, this is your favorite book. This is my absolute favorite book. And when issue number one came out, uh, I knew it. I knew it the first time I read it. I knew it the fourth time I read it, and I read it four times in the one day. 
because it was I was just pulled in to this community of uh, that this uh, book uh, tells a story about. So this issue, I noticed that, uh, and and you might be able to correct me here, Jay, but I, it seems like this is the first issue that doesn't start with a long ago flashback, right? No, I don't think the last one did either. Okay. Issue eight did not either. No. So maybe it's uh, no, he discontinued doing that. Maybe it's just a volume one kind of thing. Well, he started using that intro cover page just to add a page to the story. Like, we've been getting really? an extra page to the story, basically. Okay. Yeah. So, I read issues seven, eight, and nine of this today. I have t- a tendency with this book to let two issues build up and read them together, mm-hmm. but because stuff has just gotten weird seemingly for everybody in the last couple <laughs> months of life, um, he's built up. So, I sat down and read all three of them today. I texted Justin after finishing number eight because I think that uh, number eight is possibly the finest comic book I've read since the last time I said that. Um, but <laughs> um, but but really, I like I, I said that one time a few months ago. But this is one of the best comics I've read in the last year or two. Uh, number eight was it is absolutely incredible. We've talked about this book before on the podcast, but just a, it's a basically a community that's been built within america that doesn't recognize itself as part of america so it's a sort of insular community and there's a slight murder mystery thing going on uh which if i may interrupt i don't even think we're in america i don't think we're in the states oh really i think we're in canada i like that that. idea Um, because what made me start to think about that was the was Bruce who's wearing his uniform and he has a red stripes on the sides mm. and Canadian oh, uniforms right. <clears throat> use that and in the last issue number eight we're entered we find out more about Pike mm-hmm. and he's a seal hunter yep mm. oh okay and he goes to a bar in the Northwest <clears throat> this totally makes sense as Canadian so yeah. I think we're in mm. Canada I that's very insightful. And that's why the art looks a little bit like uh, Jeff Lemire, who's also Canadian. Dude, so number eight <laughs> was the entire story was an extension of the visual metaphor of the first two pages, which is a family of mice living inside of a wall that is in somebody else's home, and the mother mice, is mouse, rat, is coming back to the wall to take care of her young, and she gets stabbed right as she's about to go into the hole and then thrown out. And that that idea is repeated like four times throughout the story, either directly visually or through its story. Hmm. And the issue itself is a narration told by somebody and it seems like it's about what the images are about, but you are in issue number eight, you are getting two stories told to you. You're getting the story of one person's life through narrative, and that is overlapped on the imagery of somebody else's life, which doesn't get any narration. And they both are thematically the same. Yeah. It's issue eight was, I think, a fucking incredible comic book. Like, yeah. I cannot, like, wow. That same thing happens in number seven. Oh. The, the, so all three of these issues, seven, eight, nine, are opening with some interaction with animals mm. uh, within the Grass Kingdom. And in, in number seven, the, the two guys pick up a rock and find the snake that's under it and then move the rock. And through the rest of the issue, they're turning over rocks in their community. Yeah. 
Right. Oh, and this right. one is just deals with children who've been abandoned by their parents. Yeah. Right. Like that. So I know issue nine is the one we're talking about. Um, I didn't like it quite as much as eight, but uh, that's the matter of decimal points in the range of a nine for a book for me. Like this is um, really like the most profound type of comic booking coming out right now. Well, and I, what what really is compelling to me is, is like every issue is making more connections with other people within this community. Mm-hmm. In this new one, we've got Asher and Pinball now that are kind of snooping around because Asher's brothers, Bruce and uh, Robert, yeah, yeah, yeah. are yeah. trying to <clears throat> look into this uh, supposed suicide of the teacher who's connected also to Pike. to Pike. And so they're kind of curious about this. And so we find out now that uh, Pinball's dad, uh, Archer, who mans the gun tower. Right. I didn't know that one. before. <laughs> right? He kind of, he was there, but now we know he's. So now every issue makes me sort of fantasize more about this community than the information that has been given to me. Now I'm wondering who's Pinball's mom is. Right. He's obviously biracial. Mm-hmm. So who's his mother? And Robert and the boy the Robert Bruce and Asher's parents who started this left the community. Right. Why'd they leave? Right. We don't know. That's right. what this is so I mean, good about. But this is what I love about it. It makes me start making the story myself. Well, and it, and it, it gives you, uh, like a lot of stories like this would say, here's the relationship between these two people. That's all you need to know. And in this, we're seeing how interconnected everything is. Rather than here are some things that serve the story, it's this is a real-life situation. Like It feels much more like a bunch of people who've been living together for a long time. And of course, they've all talked to these people and had encounters with all these people. And we're just meeting them for the first time because we're going through this community, you know, like we never have. But making all these connections seems like uh, taking an extra step to tell this story that a lot of writers would maybe just kind of gloss over. Well, I mean, like you're saying, and sort of Jay, as you're saying, the one sort of note I really took today was that like reading this book is, to me, it's it exemplifies the difference between um, being taken by the hand and led somewhere and walking beside somebody as a partner and being allowed to figure out where you're going together. So like a good teacher or a good relationship, it's not somebody telling you what the story is and then your job is to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like um, it's not it's not text heavy. Like And when there is a page of text, the next page is just no text and it's visual metaphor. And I just am not somebody who does well being told things. I, I do better when I'm figuring it out for myself. And like that's what this book does. Like it, it demonstrates like the creator's faith in the artist and the creator's faith in the art itself. And I think it demonstrates the creator's faith and like trust in its audience like it's it's like well maybe you'll get it wrong or maybe i didn't do a good enough job explaining it but whatever i'm, I'm not going to tell you exactly what's going on i'm going to let you figure it out and like the whole thing just feels built on respect and it makes me respect the creators more like i i, I truly think it's like 
as high of a caliber comic book coming out as there is. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I was disappointed about, and something felt different about this one, and then I looked at the last one, it was the same thing, is <clears throat> Tyler's not coloring his, his own work. It's like maybe his wife? His yeah. wife is. Yeah, and it just feels a little less... You know, one of the things I used to love about it was that there'd be like a a, fr- a, a frame, <clears throat> a panel or something, and... If you just were to put that on your wall, it would be like fine art. And there's not a lot of white space on this anymore. It seems a little muddier. And I've gone back and looked at the first issues, and it's like, yeah, it's She's it's still very good. And I love watercolor, but I don't think it's as good as when he does it. I think that's kind of awesome because I actually feel the opposite. Like, oh, really? I, I read 7, 8, and 9 today, and 7... As I was reading, I was like, there's a lot of white space. And then when I started eight, I was like, oh, no, I didn't. And I, I totally did not realize the color has changed. So yeah. you picked up on that, and I didn't. Um, but you like it better this way. I do. Yeah. Like on this particular, uh, in number nine, when they walk into the area that's lit by Christmas trees, and there's just like this wonderful, warm Christmas glow, or like that scene in the rock. Play. I, yeah. I think that there's a little bit more diversity in color, and I think mm-hmm. they use darks a little bit more, and I think I, maybe I really like darks yeah. um, in terms of a color palette. So, I, I uh, yeah, it. I, I didn't realize the artist the the colors changed there. That's an astute. Well, there's one. There is a there's a panel in that the last book where Pike is on a boat. That's mm, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The the full page shot. Yeah, I mean that's like yeah. it reminded me of like a Thomas Aikens, you know, uh, Hudson River School painting. I had I to mean, stop. It was gorgeous. Stare at it. Um, I... But I'm a little, you know. I mean, I guess we just sort of differ a little bit on, you know. I like a little bit more white yeah. and. Um, yeah, What'd but the think? story is amazing. Yeah, I lo- <clears throat> I love this cover. I mean, it does, it has nothing really to do with the story inside, but this cover is beautiful. <clears throat> it's it's got to have something to do with the story. Inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not making the connection, but it's Pike, <laughs> and he's pulling out a, a grade three reader from a hidden spot in the floorboards of this. I think it's a barn. I don't think that's his house, but just the light coming through the cracks mm-hmm. through the, yeah. the 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 uh, the wall. It's beautiful. Well, and the issue before it has, you know, Robert oh, yeah, digging something up. I, I feel like all the issue, like the covers, mm. the main covers to these issues have sort of been the metaphor of somebody dealing with secrets in some mm. way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this place is flawed. And, I, you know, there's a reason I think that his parents left. Uh, Bruce left. He mm. was a cop for a while in the nearby town of Raven yeah. where a murder took place. And then he came back. And I think, and now this this issue now addresses surveillance tapes that they're mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. access to, to protect them from themselves. Right, yeah. and that definitely... which was an interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah that really was. You know, yeah. for people that they want get hands off from the government, are are monitoring themselves really. You got these mm-hmm. two hot sisters monitoring them. Pat with a patch. With the eye patch. Oh, I yeah, I love a couple. I didn't think they were. Oh, there's oh yeah, I they're they were... sisters. I think I they? thought they were cool. sisters. That makes and sense to me. Pinball oh. or, or oh okay. See, I thought I thought they were a couple too. Or Asher thought that they were one of them was Patch was which makes sense. That right, because no, their fam her their parents set the place up. Yeah, with mm. all the equipment. Yeah. Oh right. Which they're gone. Okay. I, I don't remember where they you know what, what was said about their leaving, but yeah. I I would give this issue a nine and. 
I want to mention that I would give the previous issue a 9.5. And I, I, yeah, 8 was, I texted Justin because I was like, this is an astounding piece of comic booking. And I think that even removed from the context of reading three issues in a row that you would really like this. I'm going to give it an 8.5. It might go up if I had read all three in a row. Mm -hmm. I I feel a little bit lost every time I pick this up. And uh, I'm curious how many issues it's going to be because I'm anxious to reread the whole thing and I'm not going to do that every single week. It it works really well in a chunk of issues. Yeah, I really like this book. Is this a limited series? We don't know. Oh, okay. My feeling on it was that maybe it was originally going to be just because the flow of that first arc and the way that it ended in that like big battle... It yeah. seemed like it was leading up to that point and not knowing if that was going to be the end of the story or not. And I think that based on its success, it's sort of been allowed to be an ongoing, would be my hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd also give it a eight and a half because I do have the same thing almost every issue. I'm, I'm a little bit lost and have to try and remember since I don't actually have the previous issues. I've got to try and remember everything that's happening. But but it's so beautifully it's done. It's undeniably good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, I really liked this issue. It it just got me more and more excited about reading more about it. And so I'm actually going to give it a nine and a half. I'd give it a ten if Tyler was still coloring it. Mm. Uh, have you read his, his other recent book, Snowblind? No, I haven't. He did the art in that? I think he yeah, did the he art did. in Snowblind. Oh, yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Snowblind it, it was good. It was kind of a silly setup and... I just I don't know why I got the comic and read it, but it was very compelling. That makes me want to uh, go back and read Frostbite. And it's a paperback since on our very first episode of the podcast, you made us read that. Oh, Frostbite. is that uh, the who's the artist on that? Alexander, Jason Alexander. I think it was Jason Alexander. Wow. Listen to you, Jay. Good one, Jay. Look at you. I Two like his work. All right, up. guys, I'm going home. Jay, <laughs> Jay you want this? Yeah, you just inherited a comic shop. <laughs> Um, so guys, let's just truck right on through. Um, I know you're excited to talk about Batman, Jay. Jay's favorite character. I know you're sort of a Batman guy. So we've got Batman Lost, written by everybody and drawn by everybody. Now it's written by Scott Snyder, Jimmy T.I.V., Joshua Williams, and drawn by Doug Monkey, Yannick Paquette, uh, and Jorge Jimenez, Jamie Mendoza, Paquette, and Jimenez on I even have a page in here. And Roman did a page too. Um, guys, what do you think about this Batman, The Lost? Oh man, how do we how do we summarize this? Well, <laughs> it's a goddamn dream sequence <laughs> with and a I, couple of artists that doesn't make it easier. Then can, can you explain it. to me? Is there stuff that's happening in like the other metal stuff in terms of like he's obviously in this mult stuck in this multiverse? So in metal, the last time we saw Batman, he was stuck in one of the negative universes, kind of tied up uh, on this building made out of people uh, or a wall made out of people. It's not really clear. Oh, and he was having here. a rough time. And so this whole issue <laughs> takes place. A rough time. This whole issue takes place within his mind while he's tied up here. So this is, this is kind of a thing that um, I don't know. Was it, was it the Grant Morrison run that really started the thing where Batman is, tied up and has to kind of wrestle his demons in some weird metaphysical way in order to deal with something and, and figure out how to get out of it. 
So that might be kind of a, a Grant Morrison thing, but I, I also think that that's more just an extension of the fact that, like, Batman's greatest weapon is his mind. Mm-hmm. So then what happens when, you know, a great warrior has to face their greatest weapon or a fallacy in their greatest weapon? So I think that it might be Grant Morrison doing that, but I also think that it's kind of a natural progression of sort of Batman's weakness yeah. and, and doubt and confusion being Batman's greatest weakness, and, and that can be... Uh, most clearly illustrated by like a, a you know drug trip or you know whatever some sort of dream I, and yeah, or being captured or being confused or having reality distorted for them i don't know if i've mentioned this before but i really don't like dream sequences <laughs> or drug sequences yeah. in books but this this was entertaining one page at a time as a, as a full narrative i kind of tuned out um but one page at a time or one scene at a time i really really enjoyed it and the meta stuff like all the references to old Batman and to Grant Morrison stories, including, like Jeff pointed out the other day to me, uh, the the very first page is a reference to Grant Morrison's Animal Man. Um, that that really entertained me. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's beautiful. Like yeah, at, like page by page, it's it's gorgeous. You got like Monkey and Paquette. Like those are people that are absolutely uh, incredible artists. And and yeah, like. On the one hand, we kind of end in the same place we start here. Like, basically, Batman's just fighting through delusions in his brain. Although, I guess by the end, we're led to believe that he's kind of recognizing that that's happening and is fighting against it, but is still sort of powerless. But this definitely doesn't change the flow of the overall Metal series in that Batman's still trapped. Like, I just, I love that that Bruce Wayne grows a mustache when he gets old, period, <laughs> like full stop. Since Frank yeah. Miller said it was so, it has been so. And probably uh, <laughs> always wears smoking jackets like that too. Oh, yeah. Just real porny, <laughs> porny bathrobes like Wouldn't that. Wouldn't you? I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think every single person who's come in and talked to me about this issue after they read it has said, did you see all those books on Batman's shelf? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so in this, he's he's kind of starts reading a story of his old cases to his granddaughter um, in this dream world. And she picks a book off the shelf and all the books on the shelf are recognizable uh, Batman stories like uh, Nightfall and Hush and Dark Victory. And of course she picks one we've never heard of before. Right. Well, no, she picks the case of the chemical syndicate. So Django and I Roll. were like, so here we go. story we know, and I was <laughs> like, go. I don't know. Yeah, that's one of the earliest Batman stories. Is that is that his first story? I don't know if it's the first, it might be the first one, because I thought the Chemical Syndicate was, who's got Google up? Well, who's got that be. Google thing? Roman. Yeah. Look, at the, look at the bat icon on his chest. Does, yeah. And it doesn't even have a head. It, it didn't, did it? Yeah, well, I thought the Chemical Syndicate was where the Red Hood fell into the vat. That was like East okay. Chemicals or something. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was Ace chemical, chemical, but well, yeah, yeah. okay. Sorry. Ace Ace could have come along at any yeah. point. Um, I love that. Like this whole thing seems to mirror Batman Gothic by Grant Morrison. Like, yeah, I. It's so weird. Like halfway through this whole metal thing was announced, like you know Scott Snyder got Grant Morrison to write one of the issues, and I feel like since that's been revealed, it's leaned a lot more heavily on the Grant Morrison stuff. What issue did Grant Morrison write? Uh, it hasn't come out yet, but he gets to write. Metal number five. No, he's not going to write one of the main <laughs> issues. He's writing a... A spinoff? Yeah, it's going to be like one of these. But wow. I can't remember. But yeah, Grant Morrison's writing one. And I think cool. it's because... 
I don't know if Scott Snyder knew exactly where he was taking this series to begin with, but I think that it went from being very goofy to being more and more serious and more internally consistent. Mm. And this issue to me, while not advancing the plot significantly, to me um, solidified the internal consistency of it. Yeah. Uh, it made me be like, oh, you're not just connecting a bunch of shit schizophrenically and on cocaine. Like, you're just, you actually have a plot, you have a story, and you're rearranging pieces of history to fit an overarching story. And that's what real good storytelling in my mind is. Um, so, yeah, this, like, th this one really kind of, like, solidified the whole thing for me. The thing that uh, you pointed out to me, Jeff, that I, another thing I didn't notice, I, I must have just glossed over this issue because you pointed out a lot of things I missed, but every time Batman tries to go up, he ends up going down, That's and there's always, there's always a down arrow shape in the, in the panel. And then the other thing you just pointed out is this, this cityscape <laughs> that just happens to be in the shape of a bat. That's crazy. Which is fucking crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like this golden hope yeah, I didn't of the that. city is the sunset, and the sunset's casting shadows to make the future of the city in the shape of a bat. Like, wow. Yeah, that's cool. This is, Jeez. yeah. So, and that's something that's just kind of been happening in metal where they will sneak little bat symbols in places you don't expect. Like the, the power problems that the world was having in the beginning yeah. of issue two or whatever were all in the shape of batman's mm -hmm. bat symbol i i just i love that shit yeah i love it i think they're doing a great job of balancing absurdity and sort of seriousness uh when when a book sort of presents itself as over the top and absurd and then supports itself by these amazing moments of consistency and like artistic vision like that that makes me appreciate those and rather than when a book seems to be taking itself really seriously and is like, look at how cool and deep we are. Like, this is like, look at how silly comics are. But then you find these, like, gems in it. Uh, it it's it's a, a much easier way to appreciate a story for me. It's like, look how silly it is. Here's why. Yeah. I, I give this one an eight. Uh, I'd give this one a seven and a half. If I read it again, it might go up to an eight or a nine. But... Uh... It's a solid seven and a half on round one. Yeah, I'll give it an eight because yeah, I was really enjoying the way each sequence built the momentum. Yeah, and I love all those little in jokes and the art and and yeah, I'm still you're pointing out things I didn't notice the first time. Kind of want an annotated version. Of Metal <laughs> like, yeah, Grant Morrison and Scott Snyder. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Jay, what did you think about it? I'm not sure. If you've I enjoyed it actually very much. Uh -huh. uh, I like, especially if I'm reading something like this that I don't normally read. I like the fact that they're dream stuff because it gives me a pass for understanding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I visually enjoyed it very much. I loved this quote at the beginning when he was talking about all the stories, and he said uh, have half of them contradict each other anyway. Yeah. yeah. I loved that. That's yeah. comic books, I, baby. I, yeah, totally. And um, so that was... Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I kind of make fun of the whole Batman thing. I am very attracted to the whole Batman character and the books and stuff. I tell Jeff now to tell me whenever Catwoman is in the King run, because those ones I'll get. <laughs> and you got those two issues and you liked them, Yeah, right? they were very, they were beautiful. <laughs> that I horse mean, shot, You know, I mean, mm. and you could just sit and look at this and, you know, did you see the icons in her eyes? Yep. Those, I mean, that's mm. cool. I love that. So I would do, oh, 
just wow. because I'm not reading it a lot and I'm not understanding the whole story. But I would say, I, in fairness, I would have to give it an eight yeah. because I read it and I was interested. So the Ocho, the Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, I'm gonna take just a really brief second. I I don't know about everybody else, but um, this week was like such a hard life is hard it's depressing and uh then from talking to everybody else um everybody's life is hard and depressing so i don't know if time is getting harder and slower until it's a gradual and undeniable end um but action comics 991 came out and it's the final issue of the oz effect and the Oz effect and that whole (laughs) thing was just kind of i didn't seem to tie into the watchman thing in a grand way um it's whatever. You've heard us talking about it. Basically, Jor-El shows up, and he's being a jerk, and it's probably because of Dr. Manhattan. Causing really total... 991? I mean, starting from 80 years yeah, ago. Yeah, but still. It's like legacy. Yeah. It's impressive. But basically, uh, I listened to some people talk about this, and when I finished this issue, I was just sort of like, eh, that's fine. And then I moved on to my other comic books, but I heard some people talking about it today. The final two pages of this are basically... Superman realizing humanity is in a worse place than it's been in a very, very long time. And that's exemplified by him turning on a radio or just what his hearing. And there's a hundred text boxes, like probably like 80 or something on this page. And they're all horrible, horrible things. Um, police shot unarmed man, United Nations relief team attacked, decline in the standard of living. Just all, He's hearing all the, how horrible the world is. And the next and final page is him uh, saying to Lois, people are losing hope, Lois. And then Lois, or no, John, his son says, where are you going, Dad? And he says, back to work. And hmm. and when I read it, it didn't mean anything to me. And then hearing people talk about it, and given the week I've had, listening to people talk about it today, I like broke out into tears thinking about this book yeah. and thinking about, like, that's... I was thinking about this five-issue story being getting DC closer to the Watchmen if like whatever that's going to come out in a couple weeks and I'm really excited about that but I think what this really did was for the first time in a long time really brought home a superman that I has been gone for a really long time according in in my eyes I guess since All-Star Superman and this like just that idea of superman getting totally overwhelmed with the idea of how much pain there is and nobody is as in touch with it as him cuz he can hear it all and his immediate response just being back to work. And, like, that is why Superman exists. And that's why when people, like, complain about Superman that he's boring and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's like, my thought about that is that you're missing the point. Not to, I mean, that, according to where I'm coming from. And, and Superman exists because when I feel like shit... It reminds me that everyone feels like shit, and Superman feels like shit, but you have to go back out there, and you have to be positive, and you have to help people, because if you're not doing that, the world's just going to get worse. Um, that's why I fell in love with superheroes and comic books, and that's a, like a feeling that I struggle to keep on the forefront of my brain. And even when I read this, I didn't really appreciate it until I heard it as a conversational afterthought. And... And then it just, like, hit me across the face. So this, you know, it, it speaks to the quality of the book that it didn't re- immediately register to me. But also just probably speaks to my headspace uh, as being in a hurry and not slowing down and really appreciating what Superman stands for. And I think that 
issues like this and stories like this and just Superman are <clears throat> uh, incredibly important right now. Mm-hmm. And having a small reminder like that is incredibly, incredibly important. So uh, if I were to be critical comic book shop guy, the Oz effect, I don't know, a six. Yep. But this issue and like what Superman <clears throat> stands for and if this whole five-issue story was just to get me to that one page that like is an, is powerful enough to like make me cry – that's that's like nine stuff. That's like what comic books are for and what Superman is for. So uh, mileage may vary depending on who you are and how your day is going. But there is, I think, something really, really profound to appreciate in this issue. I have so, a, I have a question. I mean, yeah. do you think that has been written with the current sort of barometer of what's going on? I don't think there's a serial comic out there right now that's not being written with that in mind. Mm-hmm. I think that I think we see a whole lot of real life parallels, especially right now because real life is kind of exaggerated with the good guys and the bad guys and the crazy assholes and the not crazy assholes that turn out to be crazy assholes and like the like everything in American politics and life seems to be almost like comic book level exaggerated mm-hmm. already. So I think that it would be really hard for these writers not to be drawing from that in yeah. in the stories. Um, I think X-Men probably is doing that less now than they were before, but they were, they were exaggerating that stuff. Like the X-Men was the, the original kind of like big time – superhero book that was being super political and i think that they don't really have a way to go beyond what they did in the in the 70s right even against you know nazis actually coming back in america and you know our president being a weird molester whatever 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 unless you're trump and you're listening to this in which case nice fuck job you. Oh, never mind <laughs> fuck you. yeah never mind you're right <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think, I think this this could have come out at any point, but I I think that this was a well. I mean, just looking at, at it from where I'm looking at, it's like kind of over your shoulder. It's like it was really powerful just to even look at that and just hear those words back to work. Mm-hmm. Because I often just you know these days it's just like to what? Yeah. Can, have you, you ever know? read All Star Superman? Uh-uh. I, I think that everyone in the world right now could benefit, just like plug from my boys Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly, but I think that everyone in the world would benefit from reading a little All-Star Superman right now. In my mind, the best 12-issue maxi-series of a comic book ever, but nothing gives me hope like that book. Wait, this, is this written, this, and this was published when? God, 10, 10 years, years ago? ago? Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Nice. Well a couple done. of buddies. <laughs> well done, guys. So anyway, not to belabor that point. Sorry, that went longer than I meant. But no, I I appreciate. I loved hearing that. So thank you. So I read it too. I would give that issue exactly whatever I gave the rest of the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't affect me like that, but I appreciate that. Because overall, the series it. isn't that good. That that four issue run was hyped up. Five issue run was hyped up to be something that it wasn't. Um, well, it was very heavily hinted that it would have to do with the Watchmen, and it has. Maybe a little bit to do with the Watchmen tie in it, and that that was a little disappointing. It was a little heavy handed and ran a little bit long, but I thought it was a an entertaining read. I did think that that page where Superman was listening to all the people, because the 
that's that's on the uh, the left hand page, and the right hand page was just a big doomsday clock ad. I thought that was the end of the comic. Mm-hmm. I did too. <laughs> the doomsday like, wow. clock. Yeah, it's, yeah, I was like, man, that yeah. that is a bummer of an ending for this long thing. And then and then there's the the back to work page. Right. So <laughs> Port of Earth uh, by Zach Kaplan, Andrea Muti, and Vladimir Popov is uh, the second book that I'm aware of by Zach Kaplan. His first one was Eclipse, which I really liked. This uh, is really hard for me to set up without spoiling a lot, so skip this part if you don't want any spoilers. But basically, aliens show up on Earth. You would expect them to be coming for war or something like that, and instead they're coming with a business deal. The business deal is, hey, if you let us build a little uh, landing platform on your water... We're going to use little tiny bits of water, which is apparently rare in space, to fuel our ships. And in exchange, we'll give you this amazing technology to fuel your world using little bits of water. And uh, eventually, um, we realize that not all of the many, many races that are coming to refuel are good. Some of them are shitty and start blowing things up. And so we have kind of an adversarial relationship with these aliens it turns out that they're not like scientists who are exploring the universe that made this deal with us they're basically shell or chevron so they're just this horrible gas company um and so the story follows these two security guys who are um they they end up in the middle of a mystery um that's basically the entire first issue. I think this would have benefited from having a double-sized first issue that gives us the next half of this. But uh, I really liked it, and um, I've, I've liked everything I've read from this guy so far. So I would give it like a probably a seven, seven and a half. Um, highly recommended. Maybe we'll have some in stock by the time you hear this. Uh, we have a voicemail oh. to listen to. Hello, Perfectly Acceptable Podcasters and Podcast Listeners. I'm Cassie Anderson, artist and co-creator of Lifeform, Cleo Makes Contact. And I'm Matt Merrill-Lowry, writer and co-creator of Lifeformed. And I've finally stopped crying about Mr. Miracle number 4 long enough for us to call and tell you about our new young adult graphic novel out now from Dark Horse. Lifeformed is the story of Cleo, an 11-year-old girl whose dad is killed in an alien invasion. When a shape-shifting rebel alien takes his place, the two team up and fight their way through the apocalypse. So it's part sci-fi, action-adventure, part coming-of-age story, and you should check it out. And we can't wait to visit Bellingham and the Comics Place this Friday. Hope to see you there. Wow, those two sound remarkably sweet. I can't wait to meet them this Friday when they stop by our shop. Yeah, uh, we gotta we gotta read that book. I'm absolutely oh, yeah. gonna read it. You can ask Echo we, about it. She we, sat out on your floor, read half of it. Yeah, <laughs> we should get Echo on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's that's awesome. I actually can't wait to read that this week. I finished yeah. my whole stack earlier than normal, so I've got like a good three or four days of free reading, um, and I'm excited to read that. It looks awesome, as well as the graphic novels Pluto, which we're going to hmm. be doing a, a special edition podcast of uh, myself and young Ashton Lucaris the next several days. So, oh, cool. I look for that next week. But um, dude, they mentioned. Mr. Miracle number four. No. That's our next book. Let's yeah. talk about that book. By the way, that was that was uh, not set up. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't tell them what we were. Uh, thanks so much for calling in, you guys, and we can't wait to see you on Friday. Um, also, they what listened. time? Are they, what time are they going to be here? Five thirty to seven. 
You guys, yeah. I don't want... Um, this is the tagline I've given this book to everybody, and it's real as shit. Um, I have never had a comic book induce anxiety anxiety in me like this one did. You called it an anxiety, a real anxiety burrito the other night after our meeting. Did I really? Yeah. It's a real anxiety burrito. <laughs> uh, so this is Moon Knight number four, uh, <laughs> Mr. Miracle number four by uh, Tom King, Mitch so, Jarrods, and uh, Clayton Cowles. And you mean this particular, particular issue. issue. Oh, yeah. 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 I was in my car waiting for therapy, and I was like, I have an extra 30 minutes. I'm going to read this issue. And turns out I shouldn't have read this <laughs> issue. Because um, <laughs> yeah. that's the downside of having therapy appointments on Tuesday. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so everyone knows we've been loving this book. We haven't talked about every single issue, but I think one and two, or maybe all of them, I don't know. Um, it's absolutely amazing, but basically this issue... Uh, is a court scene between Orion and Mr. Miracle, Scott Free, in his house. And it's Orion asking Mr. Miracle a series of yes or no questions to try and discern if Mr. Miracle has been possessed by the anti-life equation or is a murderer or what. And um, what I think is amazing about this is that it plays perfectly into the general anxiety region of just are you in control of your own life or is there secretly something larger than yourself that you can't stop or change that dictates your life like high father dictating your life no like like is scot free possessed by the anti-life equation oh and is that why he's miserable and is that why he killed himself and and is he just this unhappy person trying to fake living a lie? Did he kill himself? Or did he try to kill himself? Are you the anti-life equation? Right. No. Right. Yes or no? The <laughs> only thing I can say for sure is that this whole book is a nine-panel grid. Yeah. And I can't wait to read it without ads in a trade paperback. Dude. Mm. Oh, it's so uh, damn good. Because of the nine, because it's nine panel? Yeah, because every time you get to an ad in this, it kind of breaks up the flow a little bit. Well, I felt that way. I feel that way about every comic book. Except Especially for like Grass this, Kings, which well, doesn't yeah, have ads. Especially right. the damage but ads. But I mean, when I... <laughs> fucking damage ad. Yeah. So do you like the nine panel? I love the nine panel. Do group. you? What do I, you like about it? I like it because it is... Um, it's it's very restrictive and makes the writer and the artist work within very specific boundaries, and uh, a lot of my favorite comics and series have used it. Well, u- used it a long time ago, like in the eighties and nineties. Uh, Watchmen is almost all nine panel grid, or maybe even no, it's it's not it's not all, but it's no, no, almost no. all nine panel grid, and. Um, most of the Justice League Europe, Justice League International, Justice League America books by uh, Keith Giffen and uh, J.M. Tomatis are nine-panel grid. And there's just something like very methodical and predictable about what you're going to read next. Um, but yeah. then they can play with with the narrative within that. I think it's also visually exhausting. I think that's the point of this whole yeah. book. Yeah. I but think where it really book, works yeah. for me is when he does his his uh, performance. Oh, like with he the does Wayne it train in, behind He him? does it in the one. Yeah, that's jarring. Like yeah. I'm looking at it, looking at it, all of a sudden the train comes, and I was like startled. <laughs> yeah. It was really well done. And it's, the same thing in the last one where he's in the box in the sky. And it and drops. And it drops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know. It's probably a lot easier if you have a mother box to escape from those things. <laughs> That's got to be what he's doing. <laughs> I didn't think about that until you just said it. Um, yeah, this, I, I think that the, the nine-panel grid is kind of a – it's simple to learn and hard to master. Mm-hmm. It's like Othello or chess. Like it's, it's not a super complex thing, but when you're good at it, it really shows. Yep. And he's really, really good at it. Yep. And, I think that's exactly the best way to describe it. And I even think that Justin, in talking about it after reading the first issue or something, um, he mentioned that it's the most effective way to tell a story. Like, I think it maximizes the number of panels that you can get and therefore maximizes the amount of text you can get. Like, Justin had a really interesting way of describing it that I don't... uh, He knew lots of things that I don't know, and that's one of them. (laughs) The tension in each issue, and this one is amazing tension. There was this one right in the middle of... The pages aren't numbered... um, Right after Orion and Light Ray and, and whoever this judge character is or whatever, boom tube into their living room, got the nine-panel crids going on, but there's this one two-panel sequence that's one big panel. It's an overhead shot of that establishes, I mean, you've seen each of the characters so far, but this overhead shot, it's the only overhead shot in the book. But this overhead shot, it shows the Barda and Light Ray, and they're on the couch and shows Orion and Mr. Miracle across from each other and it's separated by this table. And the tension there, and Orion's talking about even gods are bound by the laws of the source. And Jeff, when you were talking about the nine-panel grid and how that kind of oh, bounds the shit. art and the, the narrative in the, in the laws of comic booking, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, that, that's a big meta thing right there. Ah. Yeah, I, get, I give this one a nine. It's like it made me feel more than comics do i would probably give it a 9.5 like grass kings except for i just it was it was stressful so it was like i'm very impressed by it but uh it didn't also bring me joy and not, <laughs> not that everything that's good in life should be something that brings you joy but like i did stop halfway through it and like have to question whether i was going to finish it and like um, that both impresses me, but then also is like, all right, well, you're not allowed to be a 10 because I don't want to be a guy who's afraid of everything. <laughs> uh, I'm also going to give it a 9, and uh, if it didn't have this amazing cover mm. by Nick Darrington, mm. it would probably be like an 8.99. Mm. Um, the covers are amazing. Nick, Nick Darrington's worth a good .001. Yeah. Oh, boy. Also a 9. Um, this was so much... Ang- anxiety producing i had to distract myself looking at top of a lot of these nine at orion and and mr miracle getting in each other's faces and i had to distract myself by looking at the little points on orion's helmet and the little points at the top of mr miracle's cloak and just kind of looking at how cute those points were mm-hmm. <laughs> to pull myself out of the the mm-hmm. intense anxiety of every That's panel gotta be on purpose page. yeah yeah a little, little visual visual ears. relief yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. J, what do you feel? Uh, well, I mean, I was going to, before this issue, I read this issue, I was not sure I was going to continue because I had no idea what was going on. Visually, I thought it was really great, although it is, ex- I, I get tired reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, not only this, the number of panels, but then the ones that are like, you know, kind of going in and out where they kind of look like they're having a, Seizure, like a VHS, where the signal yeah. waves, yeah, the signals, which I think is cool, but again adds to the, you know, um, but I'm kind of 
I think I'm going to go the whole duration after this one. I, th I thought it was very interesting, and I got a lump in my throat for the last page. Yeah. And his just slumped body and saying, I can't. I know. And I just about started to cry. Yeah, yeah. that couple, man. Yeah. And I love that last panel. And then she all says, of a sudden, it's a circle. I know. Yeah. 8.85. Yeah. Wow. 8.85. <laughs> listen, baby, we just got an 8.85 on this podcast, so that's something new. Um, All right, listen, we got another voicemail. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Hi, this is Jason Burrows. You may know me from Cross with Garth Ennis, Providence with Alan Moore, or more recently, Moon Knight with Max Bemis on the shelf now. Check it out. So that's Jason Burroughs. <laughs> cool. Jason Burroughs, you draw way more fucked up stuff than your voice sounds like you do. Yeah, you sound like a real nice guy. <laughs> yeah, and it does. That's the first Jason spelled that way I've yeah, ever I'm, seen. Yeah, I, I never. Know, I know a J A C I N. This Moon Knight book, Moon Knight number one eighty eight, is a level up. I'm I'm super impressed with this book art wise. Yeah, we're gonna remain in anxiety corner for just a little minute longer here. <laughs> yeah. But listen, you guys, we're gonna squirrel girl our way out of this in a minute. <laughs> so just bear with us right now. But Moon Knight one eighty eight, um, by Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs. With with and I think this is important, Matt Lopez on, on colors. I th I think the colors changed this comic for the better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, your classic living in an institution, and we got the orderly doctor, nurse, um, maybe overly bonding with the person and overly understanding them, and it turns out that they are the sun god Ra, who lives in cosmic, um, uh, cosmic os opposition to... Konshu. Konshu, the moon, which is our Moon Knight character. So um, we're setting up a real cool, basically fifth-dimensional cosmic deity uh, conflict between the sun and the moon in the form of Ra versus Moon Knight Isn't here. Isn't this the father? And we get some real nice, effed-up Jason Burroughs art in here. You, know, you well, get some very disturbing you know what stuff. He, the, it reminded me of is, uh, what's his name? Oh, Stoko. 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 Yeah. That's what, that kind of reminded me the, of The that. big dream, and the dreamscape alien splash page. the dead orbit. Yep. That's what I thought of when I saw that. Yeah, I uh, yeah. So this this guy has had a pretty similar style through his all the stuff of his that I've seen, but it's always been a little bit a little bit stiff, mm -hmm. and not in not in a bad way, but just a little bit like kind of flatter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like you're saying, I I totally agree. I think he, his stuff is a little flatter in general, and this is the most detailed I've seen it be. Uh, it seems like a real level up. For him, um, you know, and crossed the nature of the art and the horror that it's depicting, I think, is the central focus. And yeah. here he's actually allowing the detail and the art itself to be the focus of the art. So uh, I don't know if that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I, I really have been impressed with it. I actually emailed him halfway through this book. We're Facebook friends. and We've been talking. Ooh. I've been trying to get him on the podcast um, or to come visit us. And mm. I emailed him like like 10 pages in, I was like, dude, this is this is my favorite stuff that you've done. And he mm -hmm. said that this comic is the first time in a long time that he's been able to do exactly what he wanted. Mm. Um, so I think How I think cool. they just kind of said, yeah, go for it. And uh, and I think I think part of part of what's making this so good is the colors. It's different than anything that I've seen uh, his work. Ooh, I don't know I about the that way sentence. her hair, the the nurse's hair 
or the doctor's hair stands out. It's this sharp orange against mm-hmm. a sort of muted background a lot of the time. Yeah. Like that seems like it's got to be intentional. And the guy's hands that have been burned. Ugh. I'm really looking forward to reading the rest of this series. This this is Oh god, and these pages here or the doctor's dream vision where Moon Knight shows up, you think he shows up? Beautifully done. Really only one person's happy at the end of this. And it's raw. <laughs> and it's raw and he's the bad guy. Yeah. Jay, what do you think? Uh, I was really excited about it because I didn't I felt like I really connected more right away than I did in Lemire's <clears throat> run. I found his I liked it, Lemire's work with Moon Knight, but I found it pretty confusing and I didn't understand all the idiosyncrasies of Mark Spector and his <clears throat> you know um his buddies. mental health issues. Yeah. And this one was just more immediately accessible. And Roman, I don't think we're I think we're gonna go a lot deeper because mm-hmm. it says in here the writer was it Bemis or Bemis? Bemis? Nobody knows. I only <laughs> ask that in. if you enjoyed this somewhat bizarre issue, keep reading this book. I want to enjoy it with you. Maybe we can claw away at something horrible together. <laughs> yep. It will not, however, be pretty. <laughs> and that's and I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I really enjoyed the previous run. But I did a lot of homework. They, you know, there was images of. Serial killers on a chalkboard, Son of Sam, Ed Gein, Albert Fish. Mm-hmm. I looked them all up. Um, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. That was the positive aspect of mental health and using it in a creative way. So the whole aspect of mental health issues, I think, one, it's really great to see this. Uh, I look forward to reading more and... Um, yeah, I'm I'm even more excited about this than the last run. So I give it uh eight fucked up grins. It's <laughs> it's I think it's awesome and accurate and I can't wait to read more of it and I almost would love to read this book totally removed from a superhero context. Uh I'm going to give this um eight burning people. Yeah. So we got two yeah. ochos. Two, so two far. ochos. The ochos. Dual ochos. <laughs> I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna go with the 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 psychotic grins. Eight psychotic grins. Triple Ocho. <laughs> I'm gonna have to top you guys at eight and a half. Oh, yeah. I really liked it. I read it twice right away. Um, however, I noticed that even though I've got the lenticular copy, I did not get the stamp. In my copy. Whoa! Really? Lucky you. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm now uh, uh, filing my formal complaint at the comics place. <laughs> uh, at, I would. Uh, I'll pass that along. Which, to which one is itself. it? Uh, it's cable. It's cable. Ah, forget it. Uh, <laughs> this is our damaged copy. I'm sure Jeff care. will give you the, the stamp out of this Maybe one. Let's just tear it out and <laughs> yeah. I'll lick it and stick it to the front of this. Because this will wow. end up having the cover stripped back and comics thrown away anyway. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I had the skills to do a, a dueling Ocho's. Sound like that was pretty good. Listen, you guys, this has been real stressful. I think that we can come out of this two ways we can go right into Squirrel Girl, or I think we have a voicemail um, by somebody that might just cheer us up. 
Man, which one do you guys want to do? I think we should do the voicemail. What's and then the talk voicemail? About so check this out. The voicemail person left three messages. <laughs> I would go to the last one, and then we'll all snicker to ourselves with the first two. God, <laughs> just looking at the transcription, the Google transcription of the first one, I think he was onto something. But we'll we'll start with the last one here. Okay. Maybe uh, maybe we can have a little secret message later. All right, you guys. Third time's the charm. Hey, it's Justin. Just wanted to say to everybody that I love them and miss them. And this emotional dead man wouldn't be anything without his Justice League. And then I tried to call in with a clever descriptive thing, but since we all know I couldn't read the intro, I decided just to go off the noggin and say what up. So, just wanted to say hi. And Jay, if you're there, just want to let you know that your superpower that I've been thinking about lately is the ability to convince everybody that you've ever met that somehow... You're their uncle who spent a long time being lost at sea. I still struggle with that sometimes. But anyway, you guys have a good night and know that I miss you and love you. Bye. <laughs> what happened oh, to him? Man, I can't stop crying. I miss Justin. <laughs> I thought that was going to make us all feel better, but it just made me miss Justin. Should we try, should we try the first one? Yeah, let's listen yeah, to right, the first let's, one. Let's, first one. let's see what Maybe. happened there. He might be mad at us that we did this. I don't care. We deserve it. Uh, hey guys, it's me, Justin. You know, Justin, the guy that used to work there, the one that everyone forgot about. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not his duplicitous hillbilly subpersonality or some shitty impression of an author or a fictional butler. Just the guy who, you know, cries when he sets off the alarm in the morning. And I was going to call with some uh, scripted question, but I actually just wanted to say how much I miss you guys, and, um, that, uh, shit, I'm gonna try again. <laughs> oh, man, that really got me going, you guys. I remember the time you called me because the alarm was going off and he didn't know the password, unbeatable squirrel girl 26. That was like the time he called me because he got locked in the back room. Oh, that was me. Oh, that was you, sorry. <laughs> Justin only succeeded. Oh, Justin. Uh, well, while Jeff wipes his eyes, uh, this is uh, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by uh, uh, Ryan North. Yep. Uh, man. And a by, slew of... by a lot of creators. And I don't actually see... Erica Henderson on here anywhere. Actual list no, of creators. wrote... Oh, here we go. Um, something. Uh, Madeline McGrain, Erica Henderson wrote uh, The Howard the Duck with Chip Zdarsky on Art and Colors. Tom Fowler, Carla Speed McNeil, Michael Cho, Reza, uh, Anders Nilsson, Rico Renzi. And then also Jim Davis. <laughs> yeah. Garfield. Who drew Garfield. Is that the far side guy? No. No, it's Garfield. <laughs> wrote, created, wrote, and drew Garfield. I know. And I don't think he's that really done much good. sense, I liked right? That. I and so. I got I it right away. Done anything other than Garfield? Yeah, man. What if we got a comic? See the Dudesbury guy. Yeah. What if we got like a? <laughs> what if we got a comic like drawn by Jim Davis and Gary Larson and all those guys? It. Oh no! I'm sorry, I'm in a black hole now. <laughs> I knew we should have waited till after. Oh, Jeff spiraling. <laughs> You want a donut? Just, just get a rally here. Okay, so a middle squirrel girl. This, this was like their zine issues. This had a whole bunch of little bits in it. Yeah. And uh, definitely my favorite 
part was the brain drain portion where he reminded everybody that uh, you should be happy because you're loved. And um, there was a re- the I liked that. Because yeah. Justin was there. No. Um, <laughs> and you had Chips. Was that Chips Zdarsky doing the Howard the Duck one? The one where Howard makes out with the lady that walks into his yeah, office. Yeah, that was just yeah. weird, though. That, the very They're last like... panel had me laughing so hard where she's trying to tongue kiss a duck. Well, the, in several <laughs> times. Just, he's got his mouth wide open. <laughs> and then there's one they got a hamburger between them. <laughs> <laughs> If we could have a logo that was just Jay saying, and then there's one that they've got a hamburger between them, <laughs> that'd be our new logo. Weird, man. I wanted to read this issue to impress Braden because he wasn't going to be here, and he'd be like, "Wow, you read Squirrel Girl," but he's not. He's not here. So this was like a. Oh. He's visiting. Never Justin. mind. Uh, no, man. I, I, do, I do love the brain drain one, especially when he's telling all the cute things, and then the last one is baby spiders. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but then it's so wise. Some of his. Uh, points here but you are loved and the no such thing as a stupid question he gets and all that it's, it's so mm-hmm. schmaltzy and really good but it did what yeah. i feel like i understand squirrel girl this book to be which is of uh, just a really inclusive voice like it seems to do a really good job of just reminding everybody that we're all outsiders and that there is a support system for you um and even though that's probably not the main theme of the book i think that it it just did that. I, the last time we read a Squirrel Girl issue on here, I think it was Braden's first issue, and I was told that that wasn't the most typical Squirrel Girl issue because I think Brain Drain had like been changed bodies or something. Or, so yeah. So now this other issue that I've read is also not a typical one because it's like a anthology issue. But it, uh, yeah. I mean, every time I've read it, I, I've just thought it's very sweet and is is a really good reminder that you're loved, just like Brain Drain said. I they do really a lot of it. clever things. Did you read the Loki the way it was supposed to be read? And then you go and then around you read and then you backwards? read it the other way and it still works? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that was, you know, that's clever. clever. Yeah. Yeah, these Jinx. are the, the very surprising Wolverine Sentinel story that was, yeah. I mean, it's beautifully done, but it's just the, the message of it is like, whoa, that last, today the Wolverine can heal from just about anything. And that, that means little, so much more oh. in the context of that little story. That was a little. And then he just he says, "Oh, yeah, this it's a trick." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, you're gonna impale me with carbon, carbonadium, whatever." <laughs> like he doesn't <laughs> even know what he has. Like he's not even <laughs> sure what he's got inside him. Yeah, and it was so weird that Jim Davis did this like Galactus gags by Galactus with him and the Silver Surfer just doing like, a, you know, three panel comic strips. Yeah. That are all really dumb, but they're fun. Mm-hmm. Well, except is, that was actually written by Ryan North. Oh, was that actually written by? It was just he wrote everything except the Howard comic. Oh, okay, so they Jim were Davis dumb though. It. Yeah, they were they were dumb like Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> my yeah. favorite was the Spider Man one though. I thought it was, it was mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> the Spider Man and Craven ones. Spider Man yeah. written by Craven. Yeah, and what a what a butt Spider Man is. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And then, like he says at the end, it's like, oh, that's not spider sense. Those are stink lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, nobody ever talks about this, and I do not know why. <laughs> Jay, can you tell, like, so you, um, this is one of yours and Echo's favorite books, right? 
Yeah. Do you want to just talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, your love for the series here? Because I know Braden also loves well, it. Well, I mean, I am also, it's funny because it's one of my favorites, but I also find it's it's really kind of exhausting to read because, as you know, most issues have just a lot of dialogue, yeah. a lot of words. And I always feel like I try to even read all the small stuff at the bottom, yep. which is really hard to read. Yep. Except for this one. Yeah. And I want them to do it like point. that every time. <laughs> Excellent but, point, because, yeah, this just doesn't have that. Squirrel Girl is just looking for alternative ways to make the world a better place without having to fight. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and way, different ways of, of thinking. And so I find that very compelling because here's one of the things that we talked about going back when I started first coming into the shop. I was looking through books, and the one thing that I found was like, oh, boy, these things are violent. And I was mm-hmm. really kind of put off by them for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I guess this just isn't going to be my thing. Mm. And I guess now over time you immerse yourself in the, you know, it's it's still an issue that I grapple with about violence and it's ne- how necessary and uh, and how it's portrayed, really, you know. And there, this is not an issue in Squirrel Girl, ever. Yeah. You know, it might be a kick. I think there's even a kick in here. <laughs> yeah, right there. That's it. That's about as violent as, as Squirrel Girl gets. <laughs> she's one. Get, yeah. That's and, it. you know. But, yeah, she's always she's always trying to find ways other than violent. I, I think that's the real reason. She's unbeatable because she's always trying to find these other alternatives. And she's positive, really positive, which I personally need because I'm not a very positive person. So where Hmm, is she from? Canada, probably. She's up in the Grass (laughs) County. (laughs) They did go to Canada. Was that? They did go to Canada. Her, yeah, her mom was on that. Is her mom Canadian? Was her dad? That's not what I meant at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) Where is she from? She first appeared in. uh, There you go. Marvel, I think a Marvel superheroes or a Marvel Christmas superheroes Christmas special. It was one of those thick ones from the nineties. Okay. Um, Drawn by she's a Steve Ditko character, or I don't know if he created it, but he drew her in her first appearance. And And, Iron Man was in there. And and so now, like her modern incarnation, has that mostly been Ryan North, or have um, there been things between her first appearance in the nineties and this version of her? Her attitude is mostly Ryan North, but I think they established pretty early on that. They didn't call her that, but she was unbeatable. Okay. And I think it started off as a joke that she could beat, like, any character, Thanos, Doctor Doom, anybody. Right. And then eventually it just, when this series started, I guess Ryan North was like, hey, let's make that a real thing. Right. I don't know if I'm just crazy, but I feel like Bendis maybe wrote her for a while and like, New Avengers or something. Oh, that's right. She she was Luke and Jessica. Jessica? Yeah, Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah, Luke and Jessica's uh, nanny. Yeah, so really? Yeah, because they hired her, her, her to like take it. care of their kid because they're like, nobody can beat you, babysitter oh, kid. Oh, <laughs> I'll have to check that out. You well, mean, you'll have to you'll have to read weird, issues that already exist because Bendis is no longer writing for Marvel. Yeah. No, Bendis the traitor. Yeah. He's great. He's going to go to DC. What was weird about it? I have to say, drew some of those. I'm a little sad about that because I'm reading three of his books that I really enjoy. We are going to really enjoy at least three books he does at, at DC. I don't know. <laughs> you know how I read my DC. <laughs> or, uh, uh, all going to be Batman books for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I like about it, I was thinking about this on the way over, is that Ryan North seems to not 
have anything to do that's going on in the, like the Marvel universe mm. and all the changes that take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just self-contained. Mm-hmm. And in fact, sometimes I think he kind of makes fun of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, so that's what I like about it. It's yeah. a book. I don't have to worry about, you know, it's all just right there. And, and that's that's the kind of stuff that I really like you know, from Marvel is the stuff that is kind of at least mostly disconnected from whatever other earth-shaking things are going on in that universe. I find myself mostly reading things that don't, that aren't, like, aren't touched so much by that. Um, it's okay if old man Logan shows up only because of a giant crossover that took a year to put out. But right. I uh, I don't necessarily want to, want to have my story interrupted in order to have that crossover thing told. Yeah. Um, Jay, can you tell me what you thought of this issue and then sort of what you give the series as a whole? Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> I typically don't like this style of books where there's like a lot of different artists. The same thing, I kind of had my reservations to begin with with Batman where there's three different writers and five different artists. I normally don't really like that very much. And I got excited about this as a zine issue because I thought, oh, and there wasn't, there was, it was not, it was going to be easy to read. So I laughed quite a bit, especially on this one and the Spider-Man. And But I would, you know, um, as much as I say that I like it, I don't, I don't think I'd go above an eight overall because it's a lot of work to read. Mm-hmm. And... I find myself kind of drifting, and and it's and even the way he writes, I don't find particularly. But I and I just appreciate what he's doing mm-hmm. for the book compared to what else is kind of out there, and I want to support him in that. Even if like I just get the book and never read it, <laughs> I'll just give him to Echo over <laughs> over time. But it's always funny because in the back they're always like, "Yeah, my daughter's a big fan." They're like, you know, four. I'm like, they're not reading that. <laughs> I have a ten-year-old. I, I, know I, what have, I have a like. tough time reading it myself. I mean, there's a lot of computer stuff. And they remember the one where they had the zero and what counting? Yeah. That was the one issue I did not like. The, oh, <laughs> was that the issue God. that teaches you binary? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the issue that I'm curious about. That, that you should read it. It's, <laughs> yeah. I, from yeah. And but it's just it's, it's a neat way to put that kind of material yeah. in a comic book. I, yeah, it is. Know. I love they did that issue. I didn't understand it. I wasn't right. interested in it. But I love because you know that that's an issue for Django. <laughs> so what do you give this issue, Jay? Uh, seven point seven five. Okay. Oh, we're going me me. Um, God, I I think I'm giving everything this week an eight because I'd also say this one an eight. It was so much fun. I'm going to give it a... I don't know what to give it. Yeah. I I laughed harder at this comic. <laughs> Actually, I laughed harder at one panel in this comic. <laughs> I was there when you read it. <laughs> it's it's, the, it's her long. little short tongue trying to kiss a duck's bill, <laughs> yeah. and she's got like nine chins, and it's like... Right. <laughs> It's super sexy and super wrong and like <laughs> totally. And my sister Jackie has the shortest tongue you've ever seen. I don't know if you've ever seen Jackie stick her tongue out as far as she possibly can, but it's like half an inch beyond her teeth. And man, is your sister's name Jackie? You know Jackie? Oh. She's, 
Anyway. Yeah. But, like, what's the panel above that where, like, they're looking at each other intensely into their eyes? She's, she's kissing and she's got beak. her hand up. Like, I don't... What she, is she's, that? She's holding his beak down and kissing the top of his beak. Oh, okay. And I love the panel next to that where he's got his beak, like, enveloping the lower oh, half of her face. that's disgusting. That's just disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> I mean, I, I'd give this issue probably a 7, and I'd give that panel a 10. Like, I don't, and I don't know where that puts the issue in real life. Yeah. I also didn't read the Wolverine story. Oh, the Wolverine was oh, so very good. good. Um, or That's the next just... one. Like, I, I read the first two or three little bits, and then I ran out of time. But I plan to go back to it. Like, I, I really enjoyed every part of this that I read. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Numbers are just numbers, man. Numbers are just Did numbers. Did you know Michael Allred designed the logo? <clears throat> Oh wow, that awesome. kind of makes sense. Huh. Running squirrel, yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff. Well, on a week like this week, and on a podcast where we've had Jay show up, which is a long-awaited guest, and yes. also if you're a listener and you want to be on, all you have to do is let us know. So please do let us know. Um, on a week where Braden wasn't here, so we got chocolate Franz donuts to honor him, and Justin wasn't here, so we got cabin fever beer because he loves that. Um, I give this issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh, a seven as well, and I am super. Yeah, I, I'm glad it exists. I like you said. I don't necessarily always want to read it, but I'm yeah. so grateful that uh, this series exists. Um, but this week especially, I'm just like really grateful for comic books, uh, and for having them exist. I mean, a seven is a good score. It's any a good other score. week. Man, that Justin message really fucked me up because I miss my best friend. Um, I wish I wish our listeners could see how much smaller Jeff got as soon as that happened. I really got sad. I really <laughs> miss Justin. Justin, come home. Um, come on, Justin. Come yeah. home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody, everybody's great. Let's keep doing this whole fucking thing together. I'm super glad to have all the listeners on our side and all these customers, and you make uh, this job better and this life better. So. Thanks so much for listening, Jay. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, here, thanks, here. thanks for having me. And yeah. feel free to edit all of my uh, input out. I Just remember know. that even Jay thought he didn't belong here, and now you guys know how easy that feeling is to identify with, and how great he did. So, uh, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening, you guys. I'm Django. I'm Roman. I'm Jay. Bye. 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 Bye.